Before we get started in the podcast, I want to take a second and thank you so much for listening. I also want to tell you that my purpose each time I record is to try and bring you God's Word in a way that makes it interesting and a little easier to understand. I know your time is valuable, so let's get started. Hello, everyone. I want to take a second and thank you so much for jumping on this podcast. It has been a long, long time, and this one is way overdue. But bear with me if the uh, if the ele- electronics get the best of me. Um, I am working through that as well. So, uh, so let's get started. Um, I want to begin this podcast by asking you a question. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Or is he just your savior? Think about that. And as I go through this message, you can begin to formulate your answer. And at the end of the message, I want to ask you to make one of the most important decisions of your life. Before I get started, though, I'll I'll kind of give you an idea around how I I even came up with doing this podcast. Shelly and I were sitting uh, in our Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago, and and, and Brother McCants, the teacher, made a very profound statement that hit me pretty hard, and it got me thinking. He said that when we truly begin to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, He will no longer just be our Savior. He will begin to be our Lord. I want you to pay attention to what He said. Because I honestly believe that this is one of the biggest missing pieces in a lot of Christians' lives. When we truly begin to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and when we begin to mature as Christians and understand our role as a Christian, Jesus will no longer just be our Savior. He will be our Lord. Listen to what Paul said about Christ in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. He said, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. You and I know that as Jesus. And at Jesus' name, every knee shall bow. He said, Those in heaven will bow, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every single tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I know you've read that passage before, but have you ever truly thought about what it means? Paul is saying that there is coming a day when every single person on this planet and above this planet and below this planet will bow and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's everyone. But listen, for you and I as Christians, that great confession should be an everyday reality. As a Christian, we should live every single moment of our lives in faithful submission to the Lordship of Christ. While doing research for this message or this podcast, I ran across an article written by a pastor who wrote how for a long time he would end his sermons in error. You know, when they do altar calls. He said that he would often end by asking the people in his audience to make Jesus Lord of their life. Now he said he was sure that the Lord knew his intent, but he wasn't sure the same was true for those who heard his appeal. 
Here's the thing he corrected. We do not get to make Jesus Lord of our lives. He is Lord of our lives. He said that now when he says it to his audience, when he, when he gives the altar call or makes the appeal, his appeal is to give, not to give Jesus permission to be Lord, but he now asks them to surrender their lives to him. Listen, the central message of the Bible is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what Brother McCant said that Sunday morning is extremely important. And it hit me so hard because I believe that the most important truth in relation to the Christian experience is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if that is true, and I believe it is, should it not compel you and I as Christians to learn as much as we can about it and to make it a priority in our daily lives? Let me ask you another question. Do you think the reason that a lot of Christians today are living in defeat and discouragement and despair in their lives is because they are attempting to live the Christian life in their own strength and through their own power? See, I hear people quote Philippians 4.13 all the time. But my guess is that most of them have not yet truly discovered what Paul was writing. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ. Not around Christ or with Christ on the side. Through Christ. And I think it's important to know in a very often missed fact that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, it involves a recognition on our part of His Lordship. Because the Savior who saved us when we received Him by faith, is the very same Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot and do not receive Him as just our Savior. He doesn't save us and then move along. We receive Him as Lord and Savior. However, for some yielding to Jesus, it comes much later in their relationship, and I completely understand that. It may be a few months later, or for some like me, it's many, many years later. Now understand, I didn't purposely reject the Lordship of Christ, but like many of you, I'm sure, I didn't know about His Lordship, or I didn't know the fact that one came with the other. See, He was presented to me as my Savior. He was presented to me as my way out of hell, right? And it was many, many years later that I came to realize what the true meaning of Lord was. See, Lord is not Jesus' name. Lord is His title. One of His titles. Here's what we have to understand. God's Word tells us that God didn't intend for the Lordship to be a secondary part of salvation. We have to know that the moment we accept Christ into our lives... He is both Savior and Lord. I may have said that a time or two already, and you may hear it again. But in the simplest terms, what does it mean to say that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life? See, if He's Lord of your life, it means that He's your ruler. He's the boss. He is the master of everything in your life, of your entire life. He can't be Lord of part of it. He can't just be Lord for the two or three hours that you commit to going to church every Sunday. He has to have control over your entire life. All of it. Now, what is the whole life of a person, though? What are the various parts that make up you and I as people, as human beings? 
Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul makes it pretty plain, doesn't he? The whole person is made up of the spirit, the soul, and the body. Really, for simplicity's sake, we can break it down into two parts. We all have an inner or a private life. Our spirit or our soul, right? An unseen to the natural eye aspect of our lives that no one but God and us truly know about. But we also have a public life. Now it's visible, it's out in the open, it's seen and heard by everybody we come in contact with. But here's the deal. Jesus has to be Lord over the seen and the unseen. The visible and the invisible, the private aspects of our life and the public aspects of our life. He has to be Lord over all, physical and spiritual. The spirit and soul contains the mind and the emotion and the will. This is why it's so important that he's a Lord over this part of our life. It is in our spirit and soul that we think and we feel and we choose and we decide and we dream and we make all the plans for our life. See, all the real battles are fought and won or lost on the battleground in our minds. So ask yourself, is Jesus Christ Lord over that area of your life? The writer of Proverbs 23, 7 said, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now listen, as as human beings, we judge people by their outward or their physical appearance. We assume we can look at them and tell that they have it all together. The fact is, though, that our true spiritual health is determined by the spirit and the soul, not the body. The spirit and soul is also usually where the enemy attacks us first. So it is incredibly important, I'll say it again, that you submit your spirit and your soul and your mind to the Lord. Jesus also has to be Lord over our outward life as well, though. The outward life involves our eyes, our ears, our hands, our feet, our entire body. Our public life is expressed by what we see and what we say, what we hear, where we go, what we do, right? It's incredibly important that Jesus be Lord over our public life. Now, there's a lot of aspects to our public life, but think of it in the context of the home in which you live, where we go to work, the classrooms we go to, and the neighborhood in which we live. Jesus has to be Lord over that part as well. He needs to be Lord over our relationships, whether that is with your spouse or family or friends, with your work colleagues, with classmates, with neighbors. And here's the one that most people struggle with, myself included. Jesus also needs to be Lord over how we feel about our possessions, our obligations, over our responsibilities and how we use our time and resources. Now, during my research, I ran across a gentleman by the name of Zwimmer. He was born in the late 1800s and he spent the majority of his life as a missionary and a follower of Christ. He made this statement. Listen to it. Let it sink in. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then he is not your Lord at all. He meant that every single area in our life must come under Christ's lordship 
and that we don't get to pick and choose where He reigns. So with all that being said, is Jesus Lord of your thoughts? Is He Lord over your emotions? Is He Lord over your speech? Is He Lord over your relationships? How about your possessions? Do those belong to you? Or have you given possession of them to Christ? Do you have a part in your life that you're keeping to yourself? Or have you submitted your entire life to Christ? Now to honestly answer that, I think we have to be able to answer another question. What does it involve to say that Jesus Christ is Lord? What does that mean? What must a person do in order for Jesus Christ to be Lord over his or her life? Now, if you, if you just throw it out there like that, the answer is pretty simple. Yield your life to him. Take your hands off the controls of your life and allow Christ to be in control. But the truth be told, there really is no easy answer. Because such an important question, one that deals with where we will spend eternity, requires more than just an easy answer. This is an incredibly complicated answer, but it's one you need to be working on. As I said earlier, commitment is not enough. There is a difference between committing and submitting. But for Jesus to become Lord over a person's life, it takes absolute and total surrender. And surrender for most of us is not easy. When it comes to our own lives, we don't like to give control to someone else. I read an article about a gentleman by the name of Meyer. He was a Baptist preacher and a pastor of a Christ church in London in the 19th century. For all intents and purposes, from the outside looking in, he had a very successful ministry. But he confessed that there was something missing. He had a hole in it that he couldn't fill and that his life was marred and his ministry was paralyzed at some point just because he kept one thing back from the Lord. He had given God the key to every room in his life except one. And that room he kept for personal use. Now the article never went into detail about the room or, or which part of his life it represented, but the effect of incomplete submission was evident. And because of it, he had a lack of power and a lack of assurance. And according to him, and here's the purpose for the whole podcast, he had a lack of joy and peace. See, I believe that the true joy of the Lord only begins when we hand over all the keys to our house. We don't get to experience all of God's blessings until we have surrendered all of our crowns, until we have made him sole and only ruler of our life and our possessions. Remember, if he's not Lord of all, of every room, then he's not Lord at all. Stop and think. Have you yielded all the keys to him, the keys to every room in your life? Or is there a room marked private? Is there things in your life, something in your life that you're holding back and you've not committed or submitted to the Lord? If so, your life will never be completely changed until you surrender that key to the Lord. Now, there's a second element to yielding our lives to the Lord. In addition to absolute surrender, there must also be an acknowledgement of his ownership. Listen to what Paul said about ownership in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He said, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? 
You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Folks, we are not our own. We were bought at an extreme price, a price that most of us cannot fathom. We belong to Jesus, and we are His purchased possession. And when we yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we acknowledge His ownership, and we give up our personal rights. Here's the part that gets most people, though, myself included. Yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ involves total and unreserved obedience. If He is the Lord of your life, you are going to do what He tells you to do. And I honestly think that obedience is one of the most important words in a Christian's vocabulary. We move forward in our spiritual growth in direct proportion to our obedience to the revealed truth of God's Word. Now there's tons and tons of examples of obedience in the Bible. But one of the greatest examples that sticks out to me is the story of Elijah. You can find it in 1 Kings 17 and 18. And his response to God is incredible. In that the word of the Lord would come to Elijah and Elijah would do exactly what God told him to do. Now please understand, if you don't know the story, these were no small tasks. God was putting some pretty heavy things on him. But Elijah did them every one. God spoke, Elijah obeyed. And because of his obedience, Elijah was used in a powerful way to exalt God's name. Here's another important point about obedience that Elijah's story brings out. Elijah's response to God's word was always immediate and exact. He did exactly what God told him to do, no matter how crazy it seemed. And he did it when God told him to do it. Remember, delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. Think about the story of Jonah. He did what God directed him to do, didn't he? Eventually. But look what it took to get him there. It took a huge storm that almost cost a lot of people their life and three days in the belly of a stinking whale to convince him that it was the right thing to do. See, allowing Christ to be Lord of our lives will always require obedience. In Luke 6.46, Jesus asked the crowd of people listening to him a very important question. He asked them, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I think a lot of us could ask ourselves that question. How do we call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior when we don't do what the Bible says? I think that question has probably rolled around in most Christians' life on a different level, though. I think, I think a lot of people are wondering what God's ultimate will is for their life. Folks, it starts in the Bible. If you're wondering what God's will is for your life, read the Bible. It's in there. But now if you're someone who has figured out what God told you to do, did you do it immediately and exactly? Or did you hold back some and do it when it was convenient to you? Think about it. I want to share with you a story that probably illustrates lordship better than most that I've read. Graham Scroggie, a, a great man of God who lived back in the 1800s, he was speaking at a convention in England. At the end of his sermon, he was approached by a young woman who had been greatly moved by his message about Christ's lordship. She told him that she wanted Jesus to be lord of her life, but she was afraid God would ask her to do something she didn't want to do. Opening up his Bible to Acts 10, 
Dr. Scroggie read to her the verses 12 through 14, and then he explained the utter absurdity of Peter's answer. Now, in case you don't remember the story, God had given Peter some visions, and they had, it was a sheet coming down, and on that sheet was all manner of four-footed animals, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to Peter, and it said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But here's the crazy part. Peter's response was, not so, Lord. He literally told God, no. Now, Dr. Scroggy went on to explain to her, a slave never dictates to a master. Therefore, it was ridiculous for Peter to say, not so, Lord. So Dr. Scroggy handed her the Bible and told her it was time for her to make a decision. That the decision was hers. He told her to cross out the two words, not so, and leave the word Lord, or to cross out the word Lord and leave not so. He handed her a pencil and he walked away to talk to other people. Now the writer said the young lady stood there staring at the words for a long time. And like most of us, she honestly struggled with the decision. She knew what she should do. She just didn't know if she was really willing to do it. But after several moments, he came back and he looked over her shoulder and he saw that his Bible was tear-stained at this point and the words, not so, were crossed out. With tears in her eyes and a smile on her face, she repeated the words that she had left on the page over and over and over. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. No longer would this young lady dictate. She was now his disciple. And Jesus Christ was her Lord and Master. Now, I wanted to share that story with you because it really made me stop and think about my own Christian life. And although there is so much more that I could cover on this subject, I'm running out of time. So I'm going to end with this. John the Evangelist says in 1 John 5, 3, Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Jesus also tells us in John that if we love him, we will obey him or we will keep his commandments. Folks, please hear me on this one. Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. You cannot reject his Lordship and still have him as your get out of hell free card. Now, I completely understand that no one really knows all that his Lordship means when we first believe. But as we grow and as we learn more and more about the real Christ, we have to receive him as all that he is. So I have one last question for you before I say goodbye. Based on how you are currently living your life, if someone handed you a piece of paper with the words, Not so, Lord, written on it, which of the words would you have to cross out? Thank you, and may God bless you and your loved ones.